Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks of the world who are embracing freedom and discovering purpose. Need a surge of inspiration? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited, joy-seeking entrepreneur who is on a mission to find like-minded, open-hearted freebirds to share their stories of triumph, struggle, and inspiration. Until you're ready for your own adventure, let's clock out and live vicariously through others who have blazed the trail. Welcome to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today, as always, I am super excited because I get to speak with Megan Camille. She is a psychic and an intuitive business consultant who has built her two seven-figure and multi-six-figure businesses from scratch, relying solely on her intuition and inner guidance. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Yes. Oh my gosh. If I get the opportunity to to talk with somebody that is either psychic or really relies on intuition, I am going to pick your brain. I'm very, very excited. Um, I think a lot of my listeners also are tapped into that or are recently learning about it. So it's um, we're excited to have you. Awesome. So before we get into the business of things, if you don't mind, let's go back to your beginnings, because according to your bio, you got your start right around 19 years old. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I would say my very first start, I was I was 15 and I was featured in my local newspaper as a psychic Um, and I was getting readings for business women already at that point. And Normally, you would think this would be an awesome thing, but I was pretty embarrassed, um, pretty shy, really wanted to be normal. Like, I struggled with being different. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to fit in. Um, You know, I I always knew things before they were going to happen. I could read a room. I knew what other people were thinking, and it just made me feel like such an oddball. I was so lonely. Most kids didn't understand what I was going through. So I really just tried to hide it and uh, spending most of my teenage years hiding, being inauthentic and really just not knowing who I was or where I fit and the places that I did know, like I knew I was intuitive. I knew I was psychic, didn't fit with the people I wanted to fit with, right? I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to fit in. And ultimately, it led me to an extremely unhealthy relationship where I was then sex trafficked to Las Vegas and prostituted for four years with this particular gentleman, not gentleman after all. (laughs) And it was, yeah, yeah, it was due to just not fitting in and just being so, um, determined to find someone to love me and to push away as strongly as I could anything that was authentically me, my intuition, um, my ability for manifestation, my just my natural inherent magic, which we all have our own natural inherent magic. Uh, But mine, I was just shoving away and it landed me in, in some pretty scary places. Wow. So a couple follow-up questions there. 
So when you said you were 15 years old and you already knew that, you, I mean, you knew you were psychic. Most of the people that I talk to, it takes quite a while to really, I guess, believe that or understand that. How, how did you know? Like what, what did it feel like that you were so sure at such a young age that you had those abilities? Yeah, well, 15, I had already spent 15 years being as psychic as I was. And thankfully, I just had such an amazing mother and grandmother who really nurtured me and, you know, didn't put me in a mental hospital for seeing and hearing things that most people couldn't. Um, They did their best to nurture that. And still, it was very new for them. Although they were somewhat spiritual, they also had, and so though they were coming into their spirituality, I was a whole nother, a whole nother level, right? Of like, what is she experiencing? Uh, So truthfully, there's just so much gratitude that I was nurtured in a way that you are normal, Megan, you are lovable. And they weren't like, how do we fix her? Can we medicate her? How can we like tone this down a little. So by the time I was 15, I had been giving readings since maybe I was 12 or so. Um, And really just honing all of what was coming through. As a little girl, I didn't know what I was doing was channeling. It wasn't until we had found like an estranged family friend who um, was teaching lots of spiritual teachings and, and methods and that sort of thing. And so we went there for a summer. And so I was suddenly around these other adults that knew exactly what I was talking about. They were psychic. They would hold like psychic circles and, uh, and that sort of thing. And so that allowed me to really blossom into, oh, what I'm doing is a reading, a reading or, um, you know, tap, tapping into the quantum grid and, and that sort of thing. So then 15 came around and I'd been doing it for a few years. And my mom, who's always been an entrepreneur, also had a a group of women that she was mentoring and sort of like the bonus of it was, Hey, my psychic daughter will be there. Come get a reading. And um, my cousin was also there and she worked at the newspaper. So she wrote the article and put it in there. And part of me was like, Oh, this is amazing. But most of me I remember going to school a few weeks later and someone being like, my dad saw you in the newspaper. And, you know, we lived in a very small conservative town that was, you know, 3000 people, very religious. And I was just deemed kind of like this devil child. And lots of kids weren't allowed to hang out with me. It was just like, witch, witch, she's a witch. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Practical Magic, but that was what it was like. There was lots of rejection. And in turn, I learned to reject myself. Sure. And that's what led to picking the wrong crowd. I mean, so in into the sex trafficking, trafficking, was this like a much older adult? Was it uh, somebody cl- yeah. close to your age that was being forced no, he was to older? He was much older. Um, I was 19 at the time. And I believe he was 42. 41 or 42. Okay. You wouldn't guess. He had great skin. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> looked so young. Um, now I knew that he was older, but uh, what I believe what he shared at the time was he was like 30. Um, now as a grown woman and I'm a little more, you know, the, my frontal lobe is fully developed. Yeah. I could pick that up. Sure. But at the time I was pretty naive and really looking to belong, really looking sure. to belong. And so it was just a, 
out here where we live in the big city now, a friend and I went to an 18 and up club one night. And it was literally the night that marked the rest of my life for the next four years. Um, I rem- it was very synchronistic. I mean, there's some, some interesting magic in it, but there was like, I was standing in the 18 and up line and um, that guy and his brother were standing in the 21 and up uh, line. And I remember telling my friend, oh, look, I have such a crush. I sure hope that he notices me. I sure hope he asks me to dance. And sure. he did. By the end of the night, um, he did. And the, the rest was really history. He was uh, extremely skilled at his craft. He knew what he was doing. Um, you know, I used to believe as I was healing that, oh, he must be a narcissist. I really don't think so. Um, he was just really good at what he was doing. He had a mission. He had a goal. Um, he was great. He was charismatic. He he knew what was happening. He understood how to groom someone. And I did not. I was very uh, totally just unaware of what could be happening. Sure. Sure. Wow. So then, so he took you to Nevada and he was prostituting you out or he sold you to somebody else? Yeah, well, it's an interesting, like trying to lay it out linearly because there's so much that's going on in a situation like that that's behind the scenes that is energetic and it's emotional and it's mental. And it wasn't just like he suggested, hey, we should do this. And I'm like, amazing, great. Instead, there was a lot of process to it. There is a lot of uh, getting me to trust him. There was, you know, sort of like planting seeds that my family really wasn't there to support me and look at how my mom had never been there for me. And almost like these interesting, I guess initially I thought, well, that's not true. Um, so it would come with a little bit of making up some things and then nurturing some things that were real right? Like really talking about loving me and um, talking about my great accomplishments or, you know, feeding into getting me to trust him while also there was this sinister, like making up stories about my family or about my childhood. Um, And in my naivety, I cared more about his approval and his attention than being like, no, I don't think that's true. And so over a course of months, it actually started out with, uh, dancing, we're stripping. And then it moved to adult films, um, like produced in, in California and that sort of thing. And then it moved into prostitution in Vegas. And it was kind of this slow burn of like, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then he would pull his love away. And if I was in another state, maybe I would be left on the side of the road or I wouldn't have a place to stay. So it was this needed him for survival at some point. Eventually it got to that point where I left my family. I was, you know, in different States. And so he was the one thing that kept me safe or alive or fed. And so if there was something that he wanted done, it got done. Interesting. Interesting. So how did you make your transition away from him and into, I guess, Megan (laughs) 2.0? Yeah, Megan, thank goodness for Megan 2.0. I think I'm Megan 3.0 now, but after 2.0, <laughs> um, you know, there was 
my my mom was always reaching out. She did her best to stay very connected and and eventually quit ask quit asking me to come back, right? Quit sure. begging me to come back and trying to tell me what a terrible guy he was. And actually that was my door. That was well two things. One that she was always there. That she didn't go, what you have done is unlovable. I cannot accept you. Don't come back. How could you do this? There was no shame. There was just like, when you're ready to come home, I'm here. And so the fact that I could always go home is what finally allowed me to go home, right? I didn't feel like I needed to go say, yep, you're you're right. He was terrible. I'm so stupid. It was just, I could go home. And so, um, you know, I eventually learned that there were many girls that he had and he was married and um, and had children. And so just that discovery was, was a huge heartbreak. And I still stayed probably eight months after that. And then when I made the final decision, um, I called my mom and said, I'm coming home, but I need help driving my stuff. So she drove out and picked me up in the middle of the night. And um, the rest was pretty much history. I never went back. I slept on my mom's couch for many months in a deep, deep depression. Um, and then it just started getting better. I just started imagining what my life could be like. I then found um, my first husband. We started dating and it was perfect for who I was at the moment. It was perfect for who I was at the moment. Not perfect for me now, but it was a So in that marriage, we had two kids and I was a stay-at-home mom for a couple of years. We were married for four and uh, he was also older. There was still some similarities, some parallels in my lack of self-worth and uh, who I was choosing to cohabitate with. And it was so perfect for the time, right? It was just a nice transition. And uh, we had a, a amicable marriage, but not a happy marriage, right? I just eventually discovered I was a little bit lonely and not fully who I was. I was starting to tap back into my intuition, um, really diving deep into spiritual and personal development. And I had an intuitive knowing the way that I've always had intuitive knowings, an intuitive download, which was I needed to run a business. And uh, my humanness, the ego, of course, immediately was like, uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Megan. You have no business knowledge. You have two young kids. I'm talking like a six-month-old and a one-year-old at the time. There's no way you can do this. But I talked him in to, I said, could you um, buy me a preschool so that I could be the owner of it? And he laughed at me. He's like, of course not. That's not how you do business. You can't just go buy a business. Uh, just so everyone knows you can. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't do that. So then I talked him into how about a coffee shop? And again, we got to a certain point and he just said, no, he didn't trust that I'd actually want to go to work and this and that. So the only thing I could do was something at home with my children and while he was at work. And so my very first business was to, uh, was a, a preschool. At first it was a daycare. And then I kept following these intuitive nudges going on and on and on, and eventually built my first brick and mortar business, which was Conscious Cottage. It was a private preschool, a nonprofit as well. So 
it focused on like Montessori and Waldorf education for toddlers, preschoolers. And um, from there, I had a wait list of six months. I had five teachers, a full blown schoolhouse. And yeah, and right before that took off, he said, my then husband said, you know, it's been really hard with you working because you don't make dinner anymore. So I think you should quit working so that you can make dinner. And um, that was the end. That was the end. Of the marriage. (laughs) Of the marriage. (laughs) And the first (laughs) business. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you get divorced. Assume share custody or are you still in the same location or? We were in the same location, but the, the kiddos were with me majority of the time. Okay. So at that point, I was a single mom and running my, um, in uh, the schoolhouse conscious cottage. Okay. Very, very interesting. Okay. So did you start making dinner? Did you feed your kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, the kids never went hungry, but I did hire someone to cook dinner for us. <laughs> yeah. See, that's how it worked, right? <laughs> yeah, so win-win. Sure. Okay, so then now you're Megan out on her own, single mom, and you're on your second business. And what happens from there? Yeah, well, Conscious Cottage was the first business, and um, I loved it. Oh, God, it, I just hold the most amazing memories there. It was truly a pleasure every single day. Uh, what was not working for me were the 12-hour days. I was uh, head of operations, but of course, if any teacher were out, I would sub. Um, so it was just, it was very taxing considering I had full custody of both both of the little kids and I still was breastfeeding one of them. And yeah, it was a yeah. lot. And I realized, you know, I'm probably missing out on some things. I love that I have been able to establish us financially, that there was no dip in the lifestyle when I divorced my husband that my kids experienced. And I wondered, is there something more? I was doing this really well and just had that, that nudge again, just that nudge that said, you're, it's, it's time to go do something else. It's time for something else. And so I started uh, working with a woman who was my very first business coach, although she was a soul wealth coach is actually the way to put it. So she was extremely woo woo, um, which I love. And I just remember her not giving me a discount because I was a single mom. I was hoping that maybe she'd give me a discount because I was a single mom. And like, that was a big bill for me at the time. And she said, I could not devalue you. You are not less capable because you're a single mom. And it was, it, it was, it was the moment that I decided that my kids would never be an excuse. They would only be the inspiration. And so that's when I launched my second business, which was a sales agency. And that one was also very fun. And although it was uh, online and virtual, so that freed me up a lot to still be a really present mom and to work from home. It was also not what I loved. It was great money. I did enjoy it, but I didn't love it. And so what I started recognizing is that I loved building businesses. 
I didn't necessarily love doing all the things in the business. I liked launching. I liked marketing them. I liked enrollment into them. So I really started to discover that what I liked was business operations. It was being a CEO. It was delegation. It was team culture. It was all of it, but not the tiny things, right? It wasn't like the administrative piece or only the sales piece. It was the whole thing. And so when I realized that, and I had built two businesses to multiple six figures at this time, I said, I started recognizing that I had a process. So could I break this process down and share it with others? And that is where Intuitive Business Consulting was born, which is what I do today. I consult um, small business owners and scaling their business to multiple six and seven figures. And this is with an intuitive and energetic approach. What I realized with my first two businesses was that I was not following a template. I was had no formal education in business or finance, and yet I was still successful. What I had was that intuitive guidance. That's what it was. So for somebody that is not, that doesn't function intuitively, maybe doesn't even really know what that means, could you break that down a little bit more, um, just what it means to be intuitive, especially in a business sense? Hmm. Well, I would say it is different for everyone. We all have our own natural rhythm. We all have our own way in which we receive intuitive guidance. Uh, and my argument would be that everyone is intuitive. Maybe they just don't know, right? That they're not understanding that they just took action on an intuitive inclination versus logic. Uh, but everyone is intuitive. And the difference between making, well, intuition is an inner knowing versus a logical understanding. So okay. intuition takes into account of all things, past, present, future, uh, highest good for all and harm to none. So intuition is just all knowing. It is the it is the language that source consciousness or whatever you may call the divine it is the language that the divine uses to communicate with us. Okay. So, and you're coaching. So when you're coaching, are you helping business owners be more intuitive or are you teaching them a process on, on launching or expanding or scaling their business and how to do that intuitively? Both. Yeah, both. So okay. some of our practice is 20% strategy and systems and 80% energetics and intuition. And so what that looks like is um, I form a blueprint for my client's business. And that blueprint is, is a step-by-step strategy. Now, the way that we download that information, how we know what strategy to use, because there's so many There's so many different ways to the end result. And in business, there's one strategy, have an audience and sell to them, whether it's service or it's product. The only strategy is to have followers and sell to them. And if it was just strategy, everyone would be successful. But most people are not. Actually, less than 2% of women business owners ever cross a million dollars in their business. That's outrageous to me. That's crazy. 
Yeah, it's really out there. And so if we just looked at strategy, which is where most business coaches focus, we can see how in their programs, we have two or three out of 10 to 15 people that get great results from the same strategy. Right now, again, there's one overarching strategy, audience and selling, but there's lots of different roads to get there, right? I mean, there's there's paid ads, there's podcasts, there's um, joint ventures. There's so many different ways to do that one strategy. And still, there is a really small percentage of people that actually hit success or what they would consider success. And that's because strategy is only 20%. Anybody can teach strategy. You can find strategy for free on YouTube, anywhere, right? Strategy is quick and easy. It's the uh, the energetic backing that allows a strategy to move forward and create success. And so we focus on both. Initially, I do the tuning in, right? I tap in and I tune into the, the quantum grid, which is basically just where all of all of source consciousness resides and then it projects down here where we are in this beautiful world. And so I tap into that quantum grid where every piece of knowledge information is, it is accessible to anyone and to everyone. It is just a free for all. (laughs) It's source consciousness. We all get to tap into it. And so I tap into that and their higher self. So my client's higher self, we merge in this quantum field space. And from there, because there's no time or space in that in that realm, we can actually zoom in to a timeline where their business is already successful. Mm. And so if we're tuned in to that timeline, then we can download what it took for that timeline to exist. And right there is the business strategy for, you know, whoever it is. So it is not just any business strategy. It's an extremely tailored business strategy, which is where most business strategies fail because it's an overarching template basically. Mm -hmm. And so initially I'm doing the, the downloading and the readings, but it is always my goal for my clients to know their natural rhythm the way that they manifest and how they receive intuitive guidance so that when when our time is over, they're fully self-sufficient. Most of my clients stay for years, but the goal is if they don't want to, they have the tools necessary to tap into their own guidance. Interesting. So you are not a business coach because what your ability to the ability to, to tap in or to like give this individualized assessment is coming from your psychic abilities, not just from your experience coaching or your experience building businesses. Is that correct? Well, now it's both after a decade, I have some pretty good business skill. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I run two businesses now, the Sophia mystery school and intuitive business consulting and both are very successful. And I do that in about 20 hours a week. And wow. so I definitely know how to run a team, how to build a sales team, how to harness amazing culture and, and those sorts of things. So business skill is there, but what taught me business skill was source consciousness. Wow. So, so that, I mean, that is a, is there anybody doing what you're doing? Cause I have never heard of anything this um, 
in depth and personalized. Well, there's lots of business coaches and then there's also lots of intuitives, um, lots of psychics. I haven't seen anyone combine them where the main focus is let's build you a business where you are monetizing seven figures a year. I don't, I, I have it. I'm, there probably yeah. is, um, but you know, I'm so busy in mine. I know I yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't there. heard of it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. This is super, super interesting. So, so then do you, do you work in person only or do you do things remotely with your clients? Uh, mostly remotely. I still do. So I do retreats for Sophia Mystery School, and that's very spiritually driven. So that is really talking about expanded states of consciousness, enlightenment, ascension. Um, but with intuitive business consulting, it is one to one. Every once in a while, I offer a mastermind on a lower cost scale. Uh, but typically, I do one to one because I feel that the the tailored touch is so important, especially in the beginning. So in in anywhere prior to that um, million dollar mark, that seven figure for a business is, is, is tender, right? It's where you're laying the foundation of the rest of that business's future. And sometimes those foundations aren't tailored enough in a group setting. So I've always just really appreciated that one-on-one time where I can tap into my client and really support them at a super deep level, as opposed to just like slapping on a a business plan and saying it works for some people. Gotcha. So do, so you said that people generally stay for years. Do they, do they do continual coaching with you or do they like come back in stages, like send them out with some homework, come back in six months and build again? Or how does that generally work with your business? It's been both. I've had people that just sort of renew every six to 12 months. And I've had other people that were like, oh, that was amazing. They go out there, they do their thing and now they're ready to scale. Um, Or maybe they've hit an upper limit or they're just feeling out of their natural rhythm or they've fallen into like that hustle and grind and they come back for uh, a refresher. Interesting. So fascinating. So tell me more about the, the retreat component with Sophia's, what was it called? Sophia's school. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Well, we, we really practice a lot of expanded states of consciousness. So this goes into tapping into our higher self, which by the way, is what I do in business. When I sit down to make a business decision, I'm not accessing my humanness. I'm not even accessing my logic, and this usually throws people, but I do not access logic to make financial or business decisions. I only access the observer or my higher self would be probably a more term that is familiar for people, but tapping into my higher self to make these decisions as opposed to logic. And so in the Sophia Mystery School, we're really supporting people and creating um, those expanded states of consciousness so they can access their own guidance. It really is all about it, whether it's Sophia Mystery School or Intuitive Business Consulting, it's about sovereignty. It's that we have access to divinity. We have access to source consciousness. We are innately 
meant to have all that we desire and require, the full support of life uh, at all times. And so if we know how to access the expanded states of consciousness, then we are fully sovereign, fully independent, fully autonomous, and our joint ventures are out of genuine desire, connection, collaboration versus I need you or I need this to get a result. Sure. So the, the retreats we do are oftentimes they're plant medicine journeys. So we sit with ayahuasca and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I also do this with some of my high-end one-on-one clients where, you know, they're ready for a nice, fun, intense experience and expanded state like that. And then that's something I support them with. Interesting. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> that this got me thinking when you were talking about how you uh, you, you use intuition and knowing rather than logic for, it made me think, okay, well, a bank's not going to like that. <laughs> I can't imagine that you've sold a business plan very easily to a bank using intuition, but that, that just made me think, um, money, you know, money is a, is a resource, is an energy is what I'm learning. And I imagine, do you, do you share that thought that it's, it's yeah. more of an energy? Okay. Well, how do you teach? in simple form, how do you teach your clients that? Because that is that tends to be the biggest obstacle that I observe in others is that they're doing, they're creating their business for money. They're they're limited in so many ways because they need money, they want money, it won't make enough money, whatever. And so they get out of alignment pretty naturally. How do you how do you teach past that barrier or get past Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of love and and unconditional acceptance because it kind of makes sense given the um, society that we live in. We are quickly taught the nine to five programming, trade your time for money. There's never quite enough. Uh, So those programs are pretty much within everyone, even people who were not directly raised that way. It's still in the collective conscious. As opposed to coaching past it, we really integrate it, right? So it's like, oh, I, it makes sense that I would have that idea that I need to trade time for money. It's all I've ever seen. And we're really working with our aspect of self, which is the humanist. It's the ego, the one who keeps us super duper safe. She's fantastic or he, um, absolutely fantastic. So as opposed to like shunning those thoughts, we go, oh, that makes sense. And what else is there? What else is different? So it comes with deprogramming and then reprogramming. So much of the work is unconscious. And this is why we can give everybody the same strategy, a strategy that works really well. And most people won't find the success. And that's because they're still in alignment with a nine to five programming or trading time for money or hustle and grind, and then I'll earn it. I have to be good, right, or valuable, or I can't have money. So I really work with people who are ready to embody a new paradigm of business. Most banks are not that. No. Right? They wouldn't be part of, they wouldn't be part of like a new money system or a new paradigm. Like that doesn't really support them. Does it support most of us to be in business that freeze up our time. So we're living by inspiration and joy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I can tell much easier to people who are ready for a new paradigm. Right. 
Very good. I I just finished reading The Illusion of Money a little while ago, and so that that was thought that thought was fresh on my mind. So it's interesting to hear it from somebody in your in your realm on how it, it that was beautifully beautifully explained. I couldn't have done it <laughs> better. I couldn't have done it at all, much less better. So thank you for oh, that. Yeah, money um, is a big because money is yeah. a, is is kind of the difference between a hobby and a business. And so just because we're learning that money is frequency or energy, and actually the whole system is quite an illusion, doesn't mean that we can't still receive it, right? We can be like, oh, I I am in total full receivership of this money. (laughs) I love money. I, I talk about it often. And talking about it in its true form, which is infinite, allows it to be more readily available. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's good stuff. The, the book illusion of money was so fascinating to me that I read the whole thing and then started it over and read the whole thing again, because it was, it was mind blowing. I mean, from somebody coming out of, of, you know, business and running, running multiple businesses for several years and you know, going into a slow or getting out of the hustle, all the stuff that you're talking about and trying to allow, you know, the deep programming that you mentioned so that it's no longer a focus anymore. And it is interesting because you just recognizing that it is built in everywhere in our lives. And I love your approach that it's not, you know, you're wrong for thinking that way. No, no, it's just, oh, well, that, that, that is interesting that, that you see it that way. And of course you would, that's part of programming. But, and then that allows your mind to open to new, new possibilities or new ways of thinking or seeing or perceiving. And it's, it's a, it's literally life changing. (laughs) Your all motives change when you take money out of the equation for sure. Yeah. And how we identify our value. I always say now that I focus less on the results and the income, I'm happier and I make more. And I'm not right. even focused on it anymore. So, right. yeah. Yes. The, the getting rid of the scarcity mindset, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a vague definition of it, but yes. Um, but okay. Absolutely. For the sake of time, I, we could, I could go down that just for a full hour. We should schedule a time just to talk about that for a full hour. But um, so what is next for Megan? Because you said you're on 3.0. Is there a 4.0 coming or are you quite content where you're at? Oh, always upgrading. I'm always upgrading, always a, a better version of myself, a more actualized whole version. So who knows what's to come, but I'm really excited about what I'm currently doing, which is at plant medicine retreats in the Sophia Mystery School and continued a business consultation for my clients. I will be uh, launching a hybrid mastermind so it's it's a combination between a mastermind, but they have one-on-one support for me because obviously the way in which I tap in and tune in is sure. best received individually. <laughs> so that is coming at the end at the beginning of May. And until then, it is just what comes up in the field that feels like a hell yes. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Where can people find more of you? Where's what's the best place to find you, whether it's social or website or whatever? More on Megan Camille. I'm on megancamille.com. You can find me there. 
Um, I believe you have a couple of, of my free gifts, which is the 10K per month blueprint and the 100K per month blueprint. Both talk about some strategy and a lot of energetics. Uh, you can choose which one you fall into. If you're already past 10K, then go to the 100K. If you have not made it, you don't want to skip it. Um, 100K blueprint is not going to support someone who doesn't have regular business foundations already. And uh, you can find me on Instagram as well at the Megan Camille. Perfect. And I'll make sure I put those in the show notes as well. Is there any final words of wisdom, advice, or take key takeaway notes you'd like to leave listeners with before we lock out? Mm, oh my gosh, so many. But well, <laughs> we'll you can have it all. You don't have to do it all. You can co-create with source consciousness. You can co-create with an amazing team and really just have the time and financial freedom that you desire. The knowledge is already within you. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. I wish that we could do this again for, I think I could do like take two, take three and take four on just specific topics so with you. because there's, there's just so much, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so, so much for your time, your energy, We're grateful for, for what time you gave us today. And I'll make sure that all of your information's in show notes. And thank so you again. Thanks for listening. For more on this guest, simply check the show notes. Like what you hear? Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Together, we can grow and inspire.